inspiring and equipping you to live the life you're destined to live. This is the Ascend Men Podcast. So today we have the pleasure of welcoming Becky Ingemels, who is Head of Church Partnerships at Tear Fund. With her three red-headed children, Becky lives in Fairlight Hastings, where she enjoys walking her dog and can occasionally be found drinking wine and eating ice cream. <laughs> Hi, Becky. Hello, it's great to be with you, Alan. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, you're undertaking a master's with Westminster Theological Centre focused on masculinity, which is going to be the topic for today's podcast. But before that, we always like to get to know our guests with some quick fire questions. So you ready for these? Ready, yep. So number one, you're hanging a new toilet roll. Oh gosh. Is the end of the paper against the wall or dropping to the front? Do you know what? I wouldn't even notice. So I think I'm that, that untidy and organised. I'm just proud if there's one in the room. Oh, that's a success. So my biggest thing is, is there one in the room a success? That's it. Great. <laughs> so that shows you how my brain works. I love it. So secondly, <laughs> here's a scenario. The water in your area is contaminated and all bottled drinks are free from the local supermarket. Now, we already know you like a glass of wine. What do I find you drinking until the water supply is restored? Oh, that's really hard. Um, I think I'm so boring. I think I'd boil water and I'll probably have a fruit tea or something like that. <laughs> I'd be determined. <laughs> with a glass of wine. With a glass of wine, I'd be determined to have some water somehow, probably. Yeah. Good girl. All right. So third of all, what's the proudest moment of your life? Wow. That's a really hard question. And I am a parent. So if my kids ever listen to this and I don't say anything about them, I think I might be in trouble. I regularly preach at my own church. And before I do, all of my kids have to vet it. Are you telling us any stories? I think I think one of the proudest things is, um, so I'm actually a single parent and I work for TFR nationally and internationally. And I also raise three beautiful, amazing children. And I think I'm most proud of how grounded and fun and authentic and resilient they are in their personalities. So I'm kind of a proud um, of who they are, but the achievement of yeah who they've turned out to be despite the juggling that they they live within the context of. Wonderful. And let's not forget who's instrumental in that. Mm -hmm. So take the credit. Yes. Oh, thank, you. thank you. Yeah, you're, you're not giving it to yourself, but I'm giving it to you. Oh, take thanks. the credit. <laughs> thanks so much. So on behalf of them, thank you, Mum. Oh, thank you. <laughs> So uh, let's talk about masculinity. Um, I looked at the definition of masculinity in the Oxford Languages Dictionary, and uh, it says it's a noun that describes the qualities or attributes regarded as characteristic of men or boys. An example phrase would be, handsome, muscled and driven, he's a prime example of masculinity, which is telling in itself. So Becky, how would you define masculinity? Ah, oh, Alan, that's such a hard question. And I thought it was really interesting, the definition you found, because um, I think it's just really hard to, to define masculinity or femininity, which probably sounds like a bit of a cop-out answer. Like I've got a number of people in the team I manage, and even the women I've got on my team, they're all so different. Like I myself, I'm quite a strong leader. Um, I was just saying that on my birthday, my sister got me three mugs, and one had brave, one had fierce, and one had strong, oh, um, which obviously quite, we all laughed when we unwrapped them, especially when I got the fierce one. I'm like quite a strong-minded redhead. And they know, um, they know you well, Becky. <laughs> And yeah, so I think, I don't think it's 
always a helpful term in its own self. Um, I really like the Enneagram, which is like a personality profiling. And I, I've got friends of mine that are male that are really sensitive and, and thoughtful and, and academic, or I've got other friends that are female that are really strong leaders, really outspoken. Mm. So I, I feel like it's really unhelpful to stereotype what a woman should look like or what a man should look like. So I don't know if that answers that very helpfully. No, it's great. It's a great start. And uh, I suppose I'm interested in your master's, which is around masculinity, and that's with WTC. So obviously it has some kind of faith and biblical elements to it. So so tell me, what does the Bible say about masculinity? Um, so interestingly, so my actual, um, what I'm actually doing a master's in is theology. So it's called Kingdom Theology. And within Kingdom Theology, I think I have a particular interest in, I guess, gender, um, because I myself um, spent many years growing up in a complementarian church. And I didn't even hear a woman preach to my kind of mid-twenties, I think, but even heard a woman preach. And then I spent quite a lot of time really reassessing my own theology. Like I'd grown up with my whole, like all those formative years of sort of teens and twenties. So um, partly I wanted to do a master's to, to carry on that exploration. I've actually spent probably about six months now exploring Genesis, which I found it really interested in itself because I, I think I came to it with so many of my preconceptions of what I thought should be there or, or what I was looking to find there. And um, so, I mean, it's, it's such a big question that we could probably talk about itself, but I've, I've really loved grappling theologically with some of these things. I've especially loved Paul's writings, actually, because some of Paul's passages I really struggled with. I was like, I don't understand why he says mm -hmm. that. Is he really anti-women? But actually, when I allowed time to actually really study him and look at all of what he was saying and how some of those passages fitted into the context of what he was saying, I actually found that I had a real breakthrough prawn. And now I find him a real ally because so much of what, what he's saying is about reconciliation. You know, that amazing passage in Galatians where it talks about there shouldn't be male or female or Jew or Gentile. And, and actually, when I looked at his work, actually so many of him, much mm. of his writings is challenging the division of, of how we treat one another, whatever the cl classification is, um, and how we're all mm. one in Christ. So I found I found studying really, really helpful and giving time and space to, to really dig deep into some of those scriptures. And I found mm. it so much more inspiring and releasing than I thought. That's great. And, and and I guess linked to that, so the culture, Paul's time was very different to the culture now. And and we often talk about nature and nurture. And from a gender point of view, and you're, you're thinking from a theological perspective on gender, is it biological? Is it social? Is it spiritual? Is it something around the culture of the day? What, what is that? How do those things filter together? Um, I mean, I'm not an expert on this, so this is just my opinion, but I, I think it's complex. And I, again, I don't think there's a neat... And the answer, I think your upbringing and your family and your influences and your culture and your faith. And I think so many things shape who we are in our personalities and our experiences in life and, and our good experiences and our bad experiences and relationship breakdown or or family breakdown or, or good friends that, you know, and I think like even when you're looking at someone like the Apostle Paul, there's lots of women that he he um like they talk about junior who for a long time was was mislabeled as juniors because they couldn't get their head around it so they just gave her a man's name but like key women that he gave charge of giving scripture to and taking to churches and reading it and unpacking it and and you know pr um prophets and you know so many people that he championed and i i think probably a lot of the writings in the new testament even about marriage were actually so revolutionary you know the idea of kind of mutual submission to one another of men lay down your life 
for your wives and that mutuality that was absolutely revolutionary teaching in the time Mm. and obviously then you go back to looking at Jesus and again how he treated women was revolutionary like if you look at the woman at the well where he he went at the time of day when nobody else would have gone because it was like so disrepute so he went to a a culture that he shouldn't have been in because it was seen as Mm. negative he went at a time of day when the only people to go to a well were the outcasts he waited till as a female woman on her own which would have been an absolute scandal that he even Mm. would have talked to her and and so what I love about the Bible is actually that it breaks down a lot of these stereotypes of class gender race and is absolutely revolutionary and scandalous really when you look at these passages in their context of how Jesus and then the apostles were writing and teaching. Wow. So Tia Fund is a global organisation working in some of the most deprived areas of the world. Um, You must be seeing some of those things that Paul kind of cut into um, as revolutionary. I I suppose in in, in England, we kind of think of ourselves as being a bit more progressive than that. We can come back to that in a minute. But in some parts of the world, these are really, like these are massive norms, massive um, taboos that are being being broken when you're taking that message out through Tia Fund. Yeah, and I, I think you're touching on quite a few things, even in your question there, even, I mean, we'll come up to a bit more in a minute, but even in the UK, so we have some of the worst domestic violence um, rates in Europe, and it's mm. estimated that about two women every week are murdered by their partners in the UK. So actually, when we're going into different countries, like, I don't, <laughs> maybe it's more obvious, but I, I see the same, the same problem is, is it's like a global endemic, really, of, of violence towards women. And um, so, so I... So, uh, so for the podcast, I retract that statement, what I said about, <laughs> about middle-class England. You're really, you're really um, confronting what I'm saying there. And that's, uh, that's, I'm having to stop for a minute to think, what did I just say? Because I, I've, I've almost I've almost said it myself, haven't I? Which is, it's not really happening here. It's happening somewhere else in the world. Sure. What you've done there is re- you've helped confront me with my own... In your own stereotype. My stereotyping and prejudicing and assuming and all of those things, which I, yeah. I think I don't do, but obviously I do. Yeah, and, um, sure. So, so we have a real problem here as well as yeah. everywhere in the world. One of the things that's interesting working for Tear Fund is that I feel like a lot of my job is confronting our own mindsets in the UK. Like I, my job is to t- talk to church leaders and speak at churches and speak at conferences. And a lot of them I'm challenging our own mindsets on poverty, on gender, yeah. on yeah. race, on those kind of things. Cause we have a, we have an inherent presumption and, um, you know, actually we've got a lot to learn from, from, mm. from different countries we work in. Yeah. Um, in terms of tier fund, though, I was actually in Sierra Leone two weeks ago to observe some of our training there. wasn't It wasn't gender specific, but gender comes into everything. <laughs> and interesting, known Sierra Leone, it's got a it's um they've got a massive cultural problem with rape being accepted and not punished. And as a country, like if even if you just googled it now, you'd, it would come up as that's a really massive problem in the whole country in the whole culture of the country and and what's really interesting about tier funding the way we work is so often we're looking at mindsets so you you know you can't just change behavior unless you actually go right to the bottom and think what's the mindset behind this behavior why is this behavior and I think actually when you look at attitudes towards women and and the huge statistics around violence towards women globally and in the UK and other um, countries, actually, for me, and again, it's why I really looked at theology. It, it's the mindset of so kind of superiority 
um, that that men are somehow above women, that actually so much of it. So even if you look at domestic abuse, they actually say domestic abuse is about control. So it's all about control of another. And there's a power dynamic in the relationship. And it plays out in all different ways. Um which is why I want to look at theology. Where What does the Christianity have to play in a part of that thinking and where have we got some of those ideas from? Yeah. And and this is all sounding very toxic and that's a phrase we've all heard, toxic masculinity. And, mm. and, I, and I think sometimes it's hard to dig around underneath that and what does that really mean? Because it's easy to say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not tox- toxically male or anything. But actually what you're talking about is those belief systems that sit underneath are effectively that toxicity. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think anything that stems from a, a control of another person, like in my belief, like following yeah. Jesus, Jesus called us to be free. Jesus called us to follow him, um, to follow him directly. And we don't go through a man. We don't go through a leader. We actually come directly to God ourselves. He wants to give us freedom to be who he called us to be and made us to be. And all of these kind of toxic traits, wherever you see them, are about someone trying to control another human being and actually stump, stamp out who God called them to be. So I think control is massive when you're mm. thinking about toxic masculinity or femininity, but unfortunately the statistics yeah. really evidence. I think because of what you said in the beginning about what people believe masculinity to be, I think it's a problem for men and for women. Mm. I think it's a problem for men that they have to try and live up to these, like what they think masculinity would be. So when I look at theology of, of gender, um, I think that wrong theology of gender and putting men over the top of women has caused a problem for men and for women not just for women. I think it's an us problem. Mm-hmm. So um, there is a Australian gentleman called Peter McAllister published an article 10 years ago in the US magazine, and he talked about the dramatic decline of the modern man. I'm going to just quote him here. Uh, he said, I have a strong feeling that masculinity is in crisis. Men are really searching for a role in modern society. The things that we used to do aren't in much demand anymore. And, and I think there's something in that. There's something about the things that men traditionally felt at home with are are changing. Would you say, you know, our gender is in crisis? Um, I don't know if this is an answer, but I think there's a real humility in Christianity. Like to me, to follow Christ and be a Christian actually is a humility of saying, I lay down some of myself to follow you, Christ. So I know this is a different subject. There's been a lot of conversations, for example, about Black Lives Matter and, and us beginning to think like actually there's been things we've assumed there's things actually that we've institutionally benefited from even though maybe we haven't been partakers in doing a a wrong we've benefited from some institutional racism effectively I think the same is with gender Mm. I think actually I think a lot of men have without doing anything wrong without without them having sort of tried to make a mistake with the best will in the world they've actually benefited from institutional sexism you know just the fact that there's still a pay gap for men I mean I I still as a a woman sometimes get asked questions and I think I wonder if a man would be asked that question Mm -hmm. like I've asked recently who looks after your kids when you're working but that's an interesting question would would somebody else be asked the same Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of men have benefited from the fact that there's been sort of institutional inheritance patriarchy for centuries and they've benefited from it which isn't necessarily their fault but what's happening is a bit of a shaking up which is a bit uncomfortable hang on we benefited from some of these things that we've not really seen they've been our blind spots but now they're being a bit shaken and we're thinking about what is gender and what is my role I think probably is unsettling but sometimes things need to be unsettled because then there's fundamentally they're not quite built on good foundations and although that sounds a bit like moving house or any change any change 
can be unsettling and challenging, but sometimes it's for a greater good and the need, the change yes. needs to happen. Yes, yes. And and uh, just for the benefit of the listeners, I want to go back to that question I asked you at the beginning about the toilet roll. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask you that just because you're a lady, <laughs> Becky. Like in our house, we are equal equal sure. toilet roll dispatchers, and uh, and I hang it one way, and my wife Joe hangs it the other way. Sure. So that- in my house, it's just. You know, everybody's the who's got some toilet roll normally shouting out. <laughs> Panic. Who's going to deliver it? So, uh, just to wrap up, so um, this is a podcast from Ascend Men. Um, we're a men's group within the church. So, I'd love to hear from you how you think we should be casting the net wide in terms of what it means to be a man, to be part of our man's group. Yeah, I love how Jesus did things where Jesus had like 12 authentic, close friends that he walked with. Mm. And as I got older as a Christian, I've just felt like there's such an authenticity in close friendships. And I think for men and for women, I think a place where you can authentically be yourself, where you can grow in relationship and friendship, you can be teased and lovingly challenged, but people actually Mm. care about you, I think is what humanity needs, men or or women. Um, So I just encourage you to to create places and contexts where there can be authentic relationship built, because I think people can be lonely. And I think it's a, a complicated context we're all living in with with cost of living crisis with gender questions of of many sorts um and identity questions and i just think places where there's authentic friendship and relationship i think that's what jesus modeled and i think that's what the church need i need to repeat that okay you think we should be creating places and contexts where relationships can authentically be built yeah I think I think you've just given us a mission statement for Ascend Men. I, it's just a it's a perfect phrase. Our heart is to do just that. And, and Becky, thank you so much today for starting to shine the light into something. Um, I, I feel like we could go on for hours, and you could shine a lot more light on the topic. And maybe we'll do another one later in the year to to go a bit deeper into things. But it's been wonderful hearing from you today. And thank you for your passion for life. And um, thank you that your three children know you for that. Thank you for everything that you brought to us today in Ascend Men. It's been an absolute pleasure privilege. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this Ascend Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, please share it with a mate. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Together, we are stronger.